What are the best ways to protect your home from demons? What if the first man on the moon had been a werewolf? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Yo! Hey! Welcome back to This Paranormal Life, the only comedy podcast where uh, Kit and Rory host it every week. Two paranormal investigators at the top of their game. Uh, And at the end of the line... (laughs) Nothing left to lose. On death row, frankly. (laughs) Uh, Every week we discuss a different uh, tail case or claim and get to the bottom of whether it's truly paranormal or not. Rory, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. You know, every week we we sit down here at these mics and dive into the world of the unknown. Uh, Eyes closed, fists swinging into the darkness. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so excited to be... Well, frankly, alive for another week. Be able to do this show again. Is there some reason you didn't think you'd be alive this week? We'll see. Last week when I closed my eyes, fist started swinging. Uh-huh. Um, I punched a cop right off the bat. Yeah. Why were, you, were you sleeping no, I was, in well, the I precinct? Was, <laughs> I was wide awake, actually. It was just a freak accident. It could have been anyone. It could have been someone paranormal. It could have been a criminal. It just happened to be a cop. But you're right, Roy. It's time to dive right in. Fist swinging. Today's story comes courtesy of Matt Kreisenbeck. Thank you so much for writing in, Matt. I appreciate this one because Matt didn't just come across this online and find it interesting and email it in to this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. He's actually from the location we are traveling to today. Wow. Via the medium of podcast. That location is Mount Shasta in California. Sounds pretty paranormal. Yeah, it does. This place is about as north as it gets in California. And it's not just a city, but of course, a giant mountain a, quote, potentially active volcano, in fact, which I like the description of because you could probably just call it active to be on the safe side because it's kind of like saying, are you an active serial killer or a potentially active serial killer? (laughs) Yeah, you only have to be active once uh, (laughs) before you're permanently active. Yeah, as long as that volcano has erupted once in the history of Earth, I ain't taking a nap on it. I mean, if I broke into a farm... Mm -hmm and uh, strangled several goats. I'm not a partially active goat strangler. I'm a monster. They're not going to let me adopt any more goats. And it's not like... (laughs) It's not like... As in the case with Rory the goat strangler, which actually has a few hints of reality in it, to say the least. I don't like the way they look at me. You were (laughs) incarcerated for that. And yeah. you serve time. And even then, you're considered a strangler. The volcano can't even be incarcerated. It doesn't serve time. It doesn't go in front of a goddamn parole officer and say it's... <laughs> I swear, Doc, I'm never going to do it again. I'm changed. But this is besides the point. What we're interested in is the paranormal. And there is definitely no shortage here. The mountain itself is considered one of the oldest known settlements in the United States. There is evidence of Native Americans living on the land here for over 10,000 years. And in that time, they recorded their own paranormal legends. In the 1870s, Joaquin Miller took it upon himself to document these legends, specifically those of the Klamath people. They believed that the mountain is inhabited by the spirit chief Skell who came down from heaven to the top of the mountain where he fought with the spirit of the underworld, Lao. Wow. They fought by throwing hot rocks and lava, which of course is the lava and rocks that rained down during the last eruption. This sounds this sounds epic. Uh, I kind of love that. It's so amazing when like ancient peoples like that have written that into their mythology because 
they don't have any other data to go on. Like, you know, if this thing erupts every thousand years, how does anyone in any other time than the eruption know that it's an active volcano? You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like that was their technology. That was their way of knowing that, hey, stay the f*** away from that volcano because occasionally <laughs> scale comes down and gets in a grumpy mood and kills everything in a hundred mile radius. I do love the, the idea of like early on in the civilization, you know, someone's like, all right, just seems like another day. And then the volcano's bubbling up, bursting. They're like, holy f***, what did you, what did any one of us do? What is he mad at? Does he not like when we eat cheese with that knife? What's a sin? You know, there's no rules. There's no Ten Commandments. So anytime that volcano goes off, whatever was happening is going to be outlawed. I mean, up to that point, the concept of a sin didn't even exist. Yeah. So they were like, something someone did was bad. And yeah, we could do a podcast based on just that legend alone. But there is an even more recent paranormal tale from this area that I want to talk about. So let's go back to 1904, and similarly to our recent episode on Mount St. Helens and the Ape Men, the west coast of America is home to many gold men, oil men, and just about anyone who was trying to make a buck in the new world. Right. This included a British gold prospector called J.C. Brown, who had explored all over the northwest searching for gold. He had been hired by Cadre Mining Company from England to mine on their behalf, but he had never gotten lucky like so many around him and so many he had heard of, finding enough to keep going but never enough to get rich off of. I guess mining for gold is a little bit like going to Vegas and putting it all down on black and rolling, the, rolling dice. the dice, you know? it's You kind of hear about people who got lucky, but it, there's no guarantee. So I always imagine it's a pretty hard life for these folks. Yeah, it must be. At least it seemed that way from the Ballad of Busker Scruggs. Did you see that one? No. What, 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 it's what? the... <laughs> <laughs> the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Are you making this up as we speak? <laughs> this sounds like something that an old-timey prospector would say around the campfire. No. Like, uh, who, uh, who's Buster Scruggs? Well, oh, Buster Scruggs, that takes me back Are you stealing day. my wallet? <laughs> <laughs> He's got his hand down your trousers. <laughs> yeah, it's not that crazy. It's a Netflix. It's the uh, last Coen Brothers movie. Oh. But it, it's very, very good. It's like, I think it's like four or five short stories all based in the Wild West. But one of them is about a gold prospector and he's like panning a river for gold but like no spoilers but it seems very cruel but basically as soon as he finds something in the river he gets shot from like really far away i think i'm remembering it correctly uh which is kind of like a dickling Fortnite move or something that like as soon as someone gets a dope gun you just snipe them and take their shit uh, which probably happened back in the day. If you did get lucky, people probably were trying to game you out of it. So on the tip of a recent discovery, J.C. Brown made his way to Mount Shasta, California to try his luck on the sacred volcano itself. Because I don't know shit about gold prospecting, but I would imagine that if you're going to search anywhere for gold, you might as well start at a volcano. This is a dangerous job, all right, guys, mining for gold. As you said, at any point, your whole team of miners is ready to turn on you. Yeah. If I was in a river and I found even like the tiniest little nugget of gold, yeah. even if it's not gold, even if it's just a shiny rock, I'm pulling out two dirty Harry revolvers, blasting my right hand man, blasting You're my left hand Red man. Dead Redemption slow mo style, <laughs> taking out everyone, taking their heads. Arms. There was like a passing family in a wagon going by, no witnesses. You're just fast yeah. unloading that six shooter. 
Now I'm realizing as I look down that uh, the gold was actually my own reflection in the water. There were no fortunes. Now I have no men to mine. Pretty sad reflection also. Yeah, you weren't looking too good. Yeah. It turns out I actually saw my own gold tooth in the reflection of the water below Which me. Which is worth a pretty penny, by the way. It's a giant gold buck tooth. But yeah, you just, you got to be prepared for anything, even if that means climbing up a, an active volcano. It's so true. <laughs> One giant gold buck tooth. Why are you mining? Why are you mining? <laughs> Why did the dentist give you a fake buck tooth? <laughs> you could have got replaced with a good tooth. <laughs> More than one tooth, for Christ's sake. So JC Brown heads to Mount Shasta looking for treasure. And he would strike gold. But he would also get more than he bargained for. He stumbled across a cave that reached down into the volcano. Normally, common sense would dictate that you would not walk into a volcano. Right. But desperate for a discovery, he hiked deeper and deeper inside. He went on to recount that at 11 miles down, which is very, very, very far, by the way. Yeah. He discovered an underground city full of gold, shields, and mummies. Quote, some of which were 10 foot tall. Mummies? Mummies. Oh my god. Obviously, the repercussions of this were astonishing. Does the city belong to humans or some unknown race? What gold and treasures can we loot? How did no one know about this until now? Obviously, I mean, <laughs> if you were going to take out your friends and family over the, a reflection of your own gold tooth, yeah. what do you think kind of secretive rampage he was going on after seeing this you gotta take yourself out <laughs> to stop the 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 pure rampage that's gonna happen if you get away with that gold he sprints out of this cave all 11 miles of it and no surprisingly he told just about everyone he could about what he found and granted he probably sounded insane but as word got out of his discovery more and more people were signing up to go check it out saying they wanted to see it for themselves and let's face it Raid it for all it's worth. Oh, yeah. Absolutely take those mummies' gold teeth. So, on one account, I think he wrangled something like 80 people um, all to agree to meet at a given day, and they yeah. would all head down the cave and to the underground city. But, mysteriously, on the day the team was set to head out to Mount Shasta, JC Brown disappeared for good. Whoa! So they had no idea where the, where the underground El Dorado was located? Nah. God damn it! I will concede that this story has all the hallmarks of a textbook scam. Unquestioningly, it does. It's not too much of a stretch of the imagination to say that he was charging people five bucks each for the location. Cool, meet me tomorrow down by the well and we'll all head there together and right. get rich. Uh, lo and behold, he, he's never seen again. That's scam behavior, but I don't actually have record of whether he scammed anyone. It could be that this thing is real, and he just decided, f*** it, why would I show anyone where this thing is? That's a good point, yeah. Take it for myself. I didn't think about that. I mean, I mean, it's a bit weird of him to wrangle up 80 people <laughs> and then come to the realization that he actually wants it all for himself. Yeah. Because that's a pretty... I feel like that's a pretty like split second decision. Yeah. You would decide like within half a second. You would decide you after that. wrangling the 30th person whether you yeah. wanted to follow through or not. <laughs> yeah. Not 80. 
unless this is kind of like a teenage house party situation where he tells his one or two besties and he's like, right. keep it on the DL. Hey. It's borderline El Dorado. <laughs> of course, bring Stacy. She's hot as hell. She'll probably want to see El Dorado. Yeah. Hey, uh, Steve, do you think you could invite some babes? Because uh, this El Dorado quest is turning into a bit of a sausage quest, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> sausage quests. And then it just gets out of control. Project X style. <laughs> yeah. Whereas people just down there raving with the mummies going buck wild. But I will say, in J.C. Barnes' defense, what makes this story more believable is that he wasn't the only person talking about an underground city. In 1899, Frederick Spencer Oliver's book, A Dweller on Two Planets, alleged that Earth was once home to an entirely other continent called Lemuria that sunk at some point in history under the ocean, but crucially that some of the survivors had buried a network of tunnels underneath Mount Shasta, USA. He called these people Lemurians, and even claimed that eyewitnesses had seen people walking around the surface of Mount Shasta in white robes before descending underneath the earth again. Jeez. Of course, this sounds deeply unscientific, but one thing in Oliver's story is based on a kind of scientific thinking, Lemuria itself. The story goes back even further to 1864 when a zoologist called Philip Slater published a paper with a question, or indeed a problem. In his zoological research, he had discovered a species of lemur in Madagascar, but not in mainland Africa. Now, whilst this was a little unexpected, it wasn't too crazy. There's lots of species that are native only to Madagascar. The problem was, this species of lemur was also found in India. What the f*** going on? <laughs> What's going on? Why are you talking well, about lemurs? Well, we were just talking about an ancient city that disappeared into I'm the earth. I'm getting there! <laughs> a volcano. Now I'm hearing about Bro, a lemur who doesn't live... Stick with me for okay. literally one more second. So Did I mention the lemur's a ghost? So these lemurs <laughs> eat a specific type of nut. <laughs> and this nut... <laughs> There's no way you can continue to say nut like that for the rest of the podcast. Like what? <laughs> That's not... Okay. So the lemurs eat like a special... N nut. Did I mention the nut is from space? I really hope that's the case. No. Listen, stick with me. Okay. Hey, we're talking about science here. Science isn't always catchy, straightforward. That's Sometimes true. it's confusing as shit. And granted, I don't understand half of this, but I'm just saying it as if I do, because the dumbasses at home uh, will uh, believe it if I put if I if I say nut high pitched enough. I can't argue with that. Listen, this posed a problem. We have. This species of lemur in Madagascar, the species of... Why are you laughing? How dare you laugh <laughs> at this paranormal evidence? I want to... I just... I, I'm very excited to see how this all links around. So there's a nut, okay? So there is a nut? Absolutely. Of course there's a nut. What do you think the lemurs eat? I don't know. Bugs? <laughs> like in the f***ing Hakuna Matata song? They're basically like jelly beans. Well, but what are bugs with... If not just nuts with legs? <laughs> so how did this lemur... Get from India to Madagascar without going through the Middle East or Africa. Okay, I think I see how this is linking round. Slater believed that, in fact, those two countries were once part of a giant continent that he named Lemuria. Lemuria. Ah. A kingdom that would explain his lemurs. Which is 
like I'm on board with the idea, but it's pretty funny that to like that's your explanation. Yeah, is a f-ing continent. There's an eighth continent. Not that like a couple lemurs snuck on a boat and went off to the other one and banged there. And then had a bunch of baby lemurs. It's way more likely that a lemur got trapped in a coconut that fell into the ocean and drifted. Yeah, across. Across the f***ing Indian Ocean. Surprisingly, this idea of Lemuria found its audience uh, pretty quickly. And a number of other academics saw how it could explain other problems in science. For example, some even thought that the missing link between apes and humans could have lived on Lemuria, and that's why we haven't found any fossils. Ah. But it also fit the narrative of people who believed in the lost city of Atlantis. Because since forever, they've been trying to explain these historical records of a civilization lost underneath the sea, except we haven't found any physical evidence of that. Well, we found a little if you check out the Atlantis episode. It was a good episode. I think I decided that Atlantis was real, so I guess we did find something. So is the is the belief here with these scientists that there it, there is a continent that is missing because it's it it disappeared below the ocean? Height. Okay. They think that Lemuria may have sunk with lemurs and advanced humans still on it. Is there any link between lemurs and Lemuria? Like they kind of sound similar. Yeah, that's the point. Lemuria. Okay. Well, it was either that or Nut Island, <laughs> <laughs> which I am hundred percent down for. <laughs> Not uh, island sank like a rock. That's like somewhere you'd go to an Animal Crossing. It does. Like a friendly lemur on a boat would pick you up and be like... <laughs> you head That's on an over. insanely good Animal Crossing impression. But then as you watch the boat go off into the distance, it just sinks. <laughs> you and the lemur f- die. That's how you get to Nut Island. It's just a, a kill screen on your f- Yes. And this brings us full circle back to Frederick Spencer Oliver because he claimed that it was these people from a lost civilization who that fled their home and started a city underneath Mount Shasta. Apparently, this story was fleshed out in some detail in a 1931 book about Lemurians by Harvey Spencer Lewis. And the whole thing basically popped off from there. And thankfully, unlike the continent of Lemuria itself, which is, of course, lost to time forever, never to be seen again, the history of Lemuria is safely recorded on LemurianConnection.com, where it can never be sunk because it's a website. So according to these guys, the history of Lemuria goes back 4.5 million years. Whoa! Which, right off the bat, is insane, because... I thought these people were supposed to be kind of humans and humans are like, I think less than a quarter million years old. Right. So for Lemurians to be 4.5 million years old is uh, straight up surprising. Wait, so they predate the human race? By like 10 times over. Yeah. Okay. Not sure how they could then be the missing link later on, but (laughs) forget about the missing link. Anyway. It's uh, all about the nuts. uh, Here's just for scale and your own personal interest. Here's, uh, a map of what Lemuria might have looked like back in the day. Okay. 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 So, hey, it's, it's, I mean, it's massive. Um, <laughs> to say the least. It's enormous. We're talking five Australias slammed together, which is where this place is next to, by the way, Australia. Um, it takes up most of the ocean that is there today. Yeah. I'm not necessarily sure what sort of 
catastrophic event would have had to have taken place to sink an island or submerge an island this large, um, unless it was literally just very low to sea level and it eventually just disappeared. But this thing is big, guys. I don't know the exact numbers. The sea level has changed a lot over the years. I mean, for our UK listeners to give it some perspective, Ireland, mainland UK, and kind of all of Scandinavia and uh, Central Europe was basically all the same landmass. Only maybe like 20,000 years ago, you could walk from England to Norway or whatever. Um, so it's not outside the realms of possibility that a large landmass is underneath the surface, but I might have to defer to some sort of ocean expert on that one. Yeah. But as you say, Lemuria is big, so there's a lot of place for Lemurians to hide. Very true. Like I said, LemuriaConnection.com is thankfully going to give us some of the, the lowdown on what happened to Lemurians. They say that... 25,000 years ago, Atlantis and Lemuria were the two most highly civilized civilizations on Earth. But dissent between the two arose regarding the development and evolution of other civilizations. The Lemurians believed that the other less evolved cultures, ours, should be left alone to continue their own evolution at their own pace. Right. Whereas the Atlanteans believed that less evolved cultures should be controlled by Atlantis and Lemuria. Their arguments resulted in several thermonuclear wars. They had nukes? <laughs> Apparently. Which weakened both continental plates. When the wars were over and the dust had settled, there were no winners. Only death, destruction, and, uh, quote, further debasing of the human spirit. So, the Lemurians decided to build a separate society inside Mount Shasta, where they would be safe from any disruptions on the surface of the Earth. Oh, so they didn't move into the, uh, the volcano when the, the place sunk, when the continent sunk. This was beforehand. This to is... reach to find some refuge essentially from the nukes. Yeah, that's a good point to make. So I think with this theory, yes, the continent sunk, but that isn't necessarily why they first moved to Mount Shasta. How the hell are you going to fit a continent's worth of people into a volcano? That's a good question. So apparently, the city of Telos, the name of the city they built inside Mount Shasta, was originally designed to house two hundred thousand Lemurians. Today, it's believed that. Telos houses more like 1.5 million Lemurians. Uh, point being, it's definitely within the realms of possibility that you could fit, from 25,000 years ago, that you could fit an entire continent's population into a relatively small space. Fair enough. LemurianConnection.com go on to say that modern day beliefs say that Lemuria can be felt and contacted through spiritual practices. The Lemurians were a highly evolved spiritual race and they can be contacted through messages from believers. It's believed that they use crystals as communication tools, and uh, modern-day believers say that Lemurians programmed crystals to teach their one... I'm sorry, was that a It's just a weird mix between spiritual and technology. Program crystals? Well, they were very evolved and civilized. I get that. But, I mean, are they just plugging crystals into USB ports? Bit torrenting Game of Thrones? Well, you don't need a torrent client if you have a crystal. 
<laughs> you would obviously How would watch I... Game of Thrones in the crystal. On the crystal. Okay. It's it's very similar to our technology, yet uh, more spiritual. Right. And made of crystal. So, for example... They have like a MacBook Pro 10-inch, but entirely made of crystal. Of course it would be made. There would be Apple computers, of course, but the iPhone would be a f- crystal. <laughs> and if you needed to microwave your microwavable lunch... You would simply hold a crystal <laughs> near the food. Your food being a crystal, by the way. That's what they ate, too. Sure, edible crystals. Absolutely yeah. delicious, I've heard. And if you think pooping that thing out is painful, good luck wiping, because you're wiping with a crystal. <laughs> Absolutely, you are. <laughs> Did I mention you're sitting on a crystal? Sitting and shitting on a crystal? Hope you don't cut yourself, because the bandage is a f-ing crystal. And if you cut yourself pretty bad, don't call an ambulance, because, uh-oh, <laughs> that's a crystal with big crystal-shaped wheels. That drives basically straight into you, a crystal. (laughs) Everyone's tuned out at this point. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest, and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Uh... Um, and they pretty much go on to say that the physical appearance of Lemurians uh, has been debated for years. Some believe that Lemurians look like highly evolved humans, uh, whilst other believe they have more animalistic qualities because they're not human exactly. Uh, although it's pretty much universally understood they are taller than uh, us surface dwellers. Um, here's one artist's interpretation. Uh, <laughs> actually a nice portrait in front of Mount Shasta. Okay. Oh, wow, this is insanely more human than I would have thought at all. Yeah. I mean, this is it's just a drawing of a human. Yeah. It's just a human uh, man, like a gorgeous-looking Aryan-ass, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, chiseled jawline dude standing in front of um, in front of the volcano. Um, it, I have to bring it up now. We talked in previous episodes, a long time ago, in fact, about people that lived in the center of the Earth, right? Yes, yes we did. I believe that was part of the investigation into Hitler and the Nazis using alien technology to win the war. And don't don't even get me started, alright, buddy? Because I could fire off like a goddamn cannon. 
about all that info and all that shit. That was one of the the investigations I got drawn into the most. Yeah. That was a dangerous path. It kind of ruined your year, didn't it? It really, it did. Because every episode I wanted to talk about the same one. Well, and not just like, every episode. <laughs> every family gathering. Yeah. Every like night out with the boys. Yeah. You couldn't really change the record. It would be like, um, what do you guys want? Picture of Budweiser? So a couple glasses. Are we just not going to talk about it? The fact that Hitler's alive Rory, inside the hollow earth. Let's just order a drink and then fine, we can talk about it for a while. Oh yeah, okay, sure. So what do you want? Can I get a Corona and with some lime to squirt in your f***ing eyes and maybe open okay, them? wow. Maybe open them. Wow. People in the hollow earth can live for up to 400 years, all right? All right. Hitler himself is probably alive. He's probably thriving. He's in his goddamn 20s at this point. Yeah, okay, I know. We need to, we need to form, form a task force yeah. to burrow in there burrow like in little the mole rats and take this Nazi okay, bastard I'm down. I'm just going to grab the drink. Cool. And then we'll be right back. I would like a Corona, though. Yeah, I and could you get me? Um, could you also get me an old fashioned? Because your ideals are old fashioned. You need to open up your eyes. No, we're just gonna go home. I'm sorry. Uh, irrelevant. Just irrelevant. <laughs> just a cocktail, though. The whole story aside, unfortunately, there is some overlap <laughs> between these two. Sure. Uh, I seem to remember the descriptions of the people were was kind of like this, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they were a lot larger. Oh, okay. Oh, I, yeah, they were really big. They were pretty big. And the entrance uh, to my version of the Hollow Earth, Agartha, was in Antarctica. Right. There were tunnels in Antarctica that led down into the Earth's core. Am I thinking of the right story? Which one had like the hot Swedish looking people? Yeah, I think that was, I think that was, oh no, I think it was part two of the Travis Walton investigation. Are you sure? Where I'm pretty sure, because that's the one where he talked about being actually on the ship. Oh. And those were a similar description to two of the aliens yes. that he saw when he was on the ship. That's right. Another great two-parter. Definitely check that out. The Travis Walton saga. Uh, I guess I just bring it up because it's it's kind of similar. But that's pretty much what uh, Lemurian Connection has to say in the matter. But... Hey, I get that it's a tall order to believe that the Lemurians are there today, walking around in white robes, when seemingly no one seems to have any physical evidence of this. But there have been some reported sightings in the sense that there are, take, make of this what you will, there are pretty much two different religions which are based on the fact that their leaders met a Lemurian that I guess showed them how to like live like a Lemurian and spiritual secrets of the universe. Really? The main one is called the I am movement. The I am movement was started in the 1930s, roughly uh, by a guy called Guy Ballard, also known as the ascended master teachings, religious movement. This thing's a borderline cult, uh, okay. but at the peak of its popularity, apparently it had up to a million followers in 1938. Whoa. And it is still going in some fashion today, but it's seen more. They're trying to kind of say that it's a bit more of like a... Bit of know, a rebranding. Yeah, they did a little rebranding over the last hundred years. Hey, what cult hasn't? But crucially, Guy Ballard, the man who started it, said that while hiking on Mount Shasta, he encountered a man who introduced himself as the Count of Saint-Germain, which is impossible because that guy died in 1784. But that this person relayed these spiritual truths to him and he went on to start this cult religion, which is widely seen as evidence of a Lemurian connection to use the URL. 
So listen, Rory, I, I've presented you with with absolutely zero physical evidence. Yeah, that's true. However, I have presented you every f***ing brick of the golden pyramid of truth, which, as we've covered in previous podcasts, is that rumor, hearsay, hearsay uh, legend, legend, speech, I think is one of them. Yeah, chat or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, uh, all seven points. All of those are present. We have borderline blogs talking about this thing. Right. What do you make of the, the case of Mount Shasta and its paranormal people? You know, the part of the story that I found most interesting was probably the start with the rumored discovery of an ancient tomb filled with gold, treasure, and mummies for some reason. Sure. Um, you know, I can't say I'm not disappointed that that didn't develop into some more uh, physical evidence. Um, I never Naturally. even found out why there were mummies in 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 this underground El Dorado. Well, I think for it's the pretty, first place, evident. I think the Lemurians probably mummify their people. Would the Lemurians tall. not still be alive uh, had he discovered their treasure room? You would think that he would have come across I maybe a Lemurian or two on a smoke break or something. <laughs> um, then we have the even larger claims that they're of the missing continent of the lemurs who conquered the world. There's a lot to digest, yeah. uh, I think, today in this well, case. History is a pretty long thing, right. so well, don't a get, lot happened. Don't get so defensive early on, because I feel like you might okay. not like where the conclusion ends up. So maybe get we can get upset at the end, but we'll keep pushing through for this one here. I think it's difficult. I'm not going to go down without a fight, okay? I, I'm not just going to let you just blow this case wide open and just shit all over it, so... Look, this, this happened in the last episode, right? I got a little aggressive yeah. when when you were disagreeing with my case. Yeah, you did. You know, I think we need to just come at this rationally, as okay. rational people. Okay. Do you, well, do you know what's pretty rational? The uh, evidence for Lemurians living under Mount Shasta. You called it Nut Island at one point. You called it Nut Island. What about it? And said a Doesn't le- make it Nut Island. <laughs> you said there was a higher chance of a lemur riding a coconut across the ocean than there being a missing continent so i don't want to put your own words in your mouth did i say that i'm i don't even really know what to come what what i'm concluding on am i concluding about the hidden golden chamber the ancient civilizations and their thermonuclear wars or that a place called nut island home of the lemur exists all of the above it's all one tapestry that all weaves together perfectly, may I add? <laughs> Definitely not perfectly. Um, okay, it, if it's everything... And it is. Then it's no. What? If it's one of them, it's still no. Are you serious? I think this week it's going to be a triple I'll no. I'll kill you! <laughs> I think it's going to be a triple no. Wow. You know, there was a lot of heart in that case. Not a lot of evidence. <laughs> you know, which um is pretty important when it comes to uh, debating and deciding whether something truly did happen or not. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't even I ask you. your uh, I didn't even ask your opinion on it. What, yeah, what do you, you think didn't. as the chief inv- <laughs> you're so upset. As a chief investigator, um what do you what do you think? What do you make of the case? This is bullshit. What does it matter what I think? Well, it can still you can was, still say it, it exists. I wanted a royal flush. All right, I got to come clean, guys. Um, I love this story. I think it's definitely a much uh, deeper rabbit hole than I was expecting, specifically an 11-mile 
deep cave into a volcano that has mummies and gold at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of rabbit hole. Definitely interesting. I think the, the, the Nut Island is the best part, okay? Right. Because how, how did the lemurs get from, from Madagascar to India? We'll never know. <laughs> I think maybe proper scientific research could maybe find a conclusion. Mm, not sure. I'm worried that that's the most convincing and interesting part that you've latched onto. But I do concede that even if Nut Island uh, was real, it's hard to prove that there was a thermonuclear war 25,000 years ago. Yeah. And I would say that the cult movements like the I Am movement maybe aren't the, the greatest example of what the Lemurian uh, teachings have to offer. Uh, so I don't really like where that whole thing's going. Uh, also, it should be said that I don't really like whenever paranormal entities look like what Hitler wanted the entire world to look like. Yeah, it's not a good sign. It's not a great sign. Like in these stories, it's like they were the perfect humans. It's like, okay, I think I see where this is going. Yeah. I think it's a no today. Okay. But hey, thank you, Matt, for sending this one in. Really enjoyed reading into it. Uh, honestly, there's there's way more to the story than than I even got the chance to talk about here. But I wanted to hit the, the, the key points. Uh, let us know what you think of this one. If you also live in the area if you've seen a lemurie and if you've maybe talked to one if you are part of the i am movement let us know it at this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com as always hit us up in the socials twitter.com forward slash this para life facebook.com forward slash this paranormal life listeners did you know that in addition to the uh, main episode that gets released every week there is a secret underground 11 miles under the volcano El Dorado stash of bonus episodes online. And there's only two mummies in that cave, Kit and myself. And we are very much alive and very much chatty and very much making Too Hot for TV bonus content every month. But here's the difference. There's no gold in our cave. So we rely on Patreon, not sponsors, not dirty corporations with their, frankly, thousands of dollars that they're insisting they throw at us every week to read one advert for Squarespace. Yeah. And we're just pushing them back out of the cave like goddamn reverse chimney sweeps trying to get them out of here because we know that your support is enough to keep us going. And that is how we keep the podcast going by creating bonus episodes for our patrons. Our latest bonus episode, Borderline Rewrites History. I know I say that a lot, but it it, it f***ing does. It does not it did. It's about, uh, it's about Napoleon Bonaparte uh, and it blows history apart. How about that? <laughs> uh, but there's a ton, a treasure trove. I think we just hit uh, 24, episode 24. Crazy. Of our bonus episodes. So there's hours and hours of content there for just five bucks a month. Uh, we've also got t-shirts if you want to get your Disney-style fast pass into the paranormal commune. And at the end of every episode, we like to take the time to shout out those who've supported us on Patreon right here on the cast. That's what we're gonna do. Let's go! Special thank you to Rob Arthur! I will Rob Arthur. About five bucks a month. And in return, he gets some bonus episodes. That's how this works. That's insanely rude. Did he agree to this? Well, it doesn't matter, because if I'm out of episodes, we still rob Arthur. It doesn't sound like he agreed. 
Thanks also to Matt Derbyshire. Matt Darby throws a flat Barbie. This guy tried to have a barbecue last weekend, and it was the worst, lamest shit of all time. Whoa, how? Mid-October, pissing rain. Oof. He threw out-of-date sausages on the grill. Matt, no. He lives near a forest, so a bunch of feral cats came along. Jesus. Stole everyone's wallets. These <laughs> things were urbanized as all hell. My God. Everyone's Monzo cards gone. <laughs> Some wolves came, took the sausages. Matt gets locked out of his own house, so we can't even use the amenities. Suddenly, everyone's pissing in his five-meter square little garden. It's The whole thing was a washout. Where was my invite? You wanted to be there? I mean, I'd like to have had the option, Matt. Jesus. Just learn from your mistakes, Matt. Uh, I hope you throw a better Barbie next time. Thanks also to Jeremy Blair. The Jeremy Blair Witch Project uh, sounds terrifying, right. but it's actually a pretty cool uh, initiative to help uh, underprivileged witches. Oh, that's actually really sweet. Jeremy uh, was cursed by a evil wizard as a baby. And until he was uh, 45, he lived with that curse, being a vole. He was transformed into a vole for 45 years. Missed all the best years, to be honest. Uh, but then a kind witch came along and just like, it literally took half a second. Anyone could have done it. He probably should have found her earlier. Yeah, he should have. Uh, turned him into a human man again. Yes, missed the best years of his life, but he was very grateful and he wanted to help other witches uh, Fair out play there in the world. So That's a tough upbringing. You don't want to go through puberty as a vole. No. Horny as all hell and you can't talk. That's that's my that's my greatest fear. Because <laughs> if they could talk, they could get laid, but yeah. they can't, so they won't. Exactly. Thanks also to Jessica. Jessica the dress licker. That's right. Watched, watched the infamous movie Willy Wonka when she was younger and inspired by the Anything is Edible room, decided to design her own line of edible dresses. Wow. I mean, they're sticky. They're ill-fitting. It's basically... can be comfortable. You basically roll about in f***ing Twinkies and super glue. That's kind of what the dress is. Um, but hey... It covers you up and you can lick them, so... A niche market, but in this Squarespace age we live in, she's a trillionaire. She is. And I'm glad to see some of that money coming our way. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks also to Michael Sutheran. Michael Sutheran lives surprisingly far north. Oh. I'll be honest, as far north as one can get. Well, how? As in, like, looping around the world? Or he the left moon? planet Earth. Okay, the moon then. <laughs> He, he wanted, he got to the North Pole and he just wanted to get even further north. He just said, that's not far enough, man. Uh, took a rocket just straight up. Wow. Um, should be said, though, up is pretty relative. North doesn't really exist once you leave space, so we don't know where he is. He's gone. He's, 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 he's basically interstellar. He's yeah. just hopping between dimensions and worlds and somehow still getting our podcasts. Thanks also to Luke Ward. We've all had a lukewarm cup of tea, but have you ever had a Luke Ward cup of tea? No. It's boiling hot. It melts the mug in your hands. Oh my God. Fries your it? eyes this in your head. This isn't tea, is it? No, it's not tea. It's Mark. Wait, not Mark. Luke. It's not tea. It's Luke Ward. It's not even, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's an element that's been partially undiscovered because the scientists that first saw it melted. That's how hot this thing is. It's like a thousand hot chocolates, all right? Does that put things in perspective in your feeble little human mind? 
you're human too. Also, that sounds delicious. Sure, it is absolutely delicious. Sure, a couple marshmallows tossed in there couldn't hurt anyone. But a thousand hot chocolates? Marshmallows actually start a complex chemical reaction that turn it back into cocoa. (laughs) Thank you, Luke. Thanks also to Megan Chase. Megan Chase started the space race. Really? She had a friend from the Soviet Union and, uh... She just made a paper airplane, threw it in the sky, and said, "Beat that!" So she was. Oh, so she wasn't like uh, an engineer or an no. astronaut or anything. It like really that. snowballed. It really snowballed. It sounds from there. like it. Yeah. And they tried to do what well, they built a paper airplane with, um, you know, a bit of bit of bit of a better design so it could go a little higher. Bit, a bit of oomph, yeah. A bit of oomph. And then, um, and then she was like, "All right, well, I might just put a freaking little rocket on the end of my paper airplane." And then they came and then back their and their friend like, called Putin and was like, <laughs> "Let's do this." And it was on. It was on from that point onward. Um, so wow, what a what a is that an accomplishment? I guess you helped put a man on the moon. You kind of started it. I mean, they didn't use your paper plane design, so I guess you didn't Not technically no. help. Um, it was a crappy plane. It was a terrible. He would have been. He would have been obliterated. If he tried to land on that thing. Thanks also to Liam. So Liam is uh, actually a vole. He is... Another vole. Very much still a vole. He lives pretty much every kind of facet of life to do with being a vole. Um, Was he cursed as well by the same wizard? I don't think so. He's just a vole. I think he comes from some kind of vole island. It's been lost to history, but he just kind of has to wander around now, kind of baseless. But that's where he was born, uh, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, a lot of voles listening to the podcast recently. Really strange. How's that happened? Thanks also to Sylvia Hernandez. Sylvia, it should come to no surprise to you that after listening to this episode, we were looking for Goldia, you know? But hey, we got you. You're pretty great. If you want to come out on a little mining expedition with Kit and, and uh, myself... We'd really much appreciate it. If you do find any gold, though, do do let us know. If you find any silver, throw it in the f-ing trash where it belongs, of, of course. course, Sylvia. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just keep, keep an eye out for that gold. And if you find any, just, you know, just give it, throw it our way and just keep looking with your back turned. <laughs> Thanks also to Patrick Venator Nash. Pat Nash has some fat cash. Whoa! We asked this guy, hey, do you want to be on the $2 tier? Do you want to be on the $5 tier? And he said, $1 trillion. And we were like, I I don't know what we can offer you for that. We we almost insist that you reinvest this money uh, into the systems to help the uh, underprivileged. And he just went, silence. Every time you speak, I burn a dollar. It's like, well, I don't know if we actually... You seem like a bit of a mean person. Why you, if, if that's your outlook, why you listen to a podcast? We speak all the time. One dollar burn. Okay, wow. Two dollar burn. We didn't speak. Three dollar burn. All right, we'll take the money. We'll take the money. Just give us the money. Um, he had burnt several millions by this point. Um, so we ended up with, with scraps. Uh, <laughs> he sat in the initial email for a few months. So uh, <laughs> he burned out most of the uh, estate at that point. Yeah. Thanks to Daniel Romano. Daniel Romano plays the piano, but I'm not a fan. No, I prefer guitar. That's right. What his evil twin brother plays. Exactly. The guitar is the instrument of of legends. You know, name one rock star who plays piano. You can't. Uh, the singer of Coldplay. Sure. Name two more. I dare you. 
uh, Freddie Mercury and... Sure, I guess if you want to call Freddie Mercury a rock star, I don't know. He's the lead singer of one of the biggest rock bands of all time. It's a bit of a stretch, but sure. I said two more, by the way. I said two more. You gave me one, so... There's the buzzer. There's others. <laughs> Just give me time. Did I say Freddy? Uh, sh- I think there's actually only two. <laughs> How did he I do guess this? you're right. <laughs> but yeah, everyone knows that classical music with lots of pianos, you know, Beethoven and Mozart and so on. Yeah, uh, it was great up until a point. But once we invented amplifiers, classical music became defunct. Redundant. It's the music of boring old boomers. Uh, and EDM is the music of the people and of the future. Exactly. I've never been so disappointed that a man with a name called Wolfgang could write such utter dribble. So uh, keep it up, Romano, or don't Yeah. take up guitar. We insist you do. Or synth. <laughs> Thanks, lastly, but not leastly, to Avon Rogers. Well, if it isn't misbehaving Avon. Ooh, nice. Misbehaving is really understating what he's known for, which is just about every crime on the face of the earth. Yeah, last I checked, it was it was, on, it was trending on Twitter. It was like a multi-million dollar criminal lawsuit, uh, fraud. He's doing white collar crime, blue collar <laughs> crime, and no collar crime <laughs> on some Neanderthal shit. <laughs> That's just mugging people in a t-shirt. <laughs> But also very much uh, laundering millions of dollars uh, through large international banks. He's laundering thousands of dollars through laundry. That's right, a laundry business where uh, each jacket is filled to the brim with millions. He is a little mischievous, isn't he? But uh, misbehaving Avon, you know, we honestly have to applaud the audacity it takes to put your goddamn personal information online for all to see thank you thanks for the support thank you to everyone we've shouted out today and everyone we are yet to shout out thanks so much for being uh patient we're getting through our patrons names slowly but surely thanks for tuning in this week we will be back next tuesday with a brand new paranormal tale Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.